I have never been a fan of roller coasters. And, and if you know me well, that shouldn't come as a surprise because I'm terrified of heights. And one thing about roller coasters is, is they go up very, very high. I have to admit, I also hate that feeling that of my stomach coming up into my throat as the roller coaster plunges down a hill. I honestly can't understand why anyone would like a roller coaster. Of course, we do have at least one roller coaster fanatic in our church, and she happens to be on staff. Her name is Carolyn. She's our children's ministry director, and she loves roller coasters. I think she has planned entire vacations around the idea of riding a brand new coaster. The fact of the matter is, is that Carol and I agree on most things, but roller coasters is not one of them. Now, even though I disdain roller coasters, I have actually ridden three or four in my lifetime. I've been on the fire in the hole in Silver Dollar City. I think I've ridden that two or three times at least. And people will call that a, a, a baby coaster. It's not a real ro roller coaster. Well, baby roller coaster or not, the fact of the matter is, I don't like it. I rode the mine coaster at Six Flags several or many years ago. I'm not sure if that's the name of it, but actually, it wasn't too bad. I also rode the Screaming Eagle about 36 years ago. I rode it with a girl, a girl that I had just started dating. Her name was Mary Ramatowski. My friends knew that our relationship was starting to get serious when they heard that I actually went on the Screaming Eagle. I married Mary with the agreement that I never had to ride that thing again. The truth is, is that life can be like a, a roller coaster. We climb to great heights in life, but that can be followed by a plummet back to reality, or even worse, into the pit of life. Carolyn and other roller coaster fans will tell you that that plummet down on the roller coaster is the biggest thrill of the coaster. The fact of the matter is, is that might be true for a roller coaster, but in life, that plummet, it's terrible. The COVID-19 pandemic has certainly presented ups and downs of a roller coaster. It's done it in this church family, many of you personally, and certainly in our entire nation. For many of us, life was going pretty well up until about March 8th. Maybe we were even on the top of the world. And then the virus hit. And life changed overnight. Some in this church got sick. Those who contracted the virus and their families plummeted into unknown and frightening places. It has to be difficult to not be able to visit your loved one in the hospital. I also can't imagine being in the hospital without anyone allowed to visit you. Even for those who are healthy and maybe don't know anyone who personally has contracted the virus, life is still dramatically changed. We can't gather physically as the church. We can't eat out at restaurants. We can't shake hands or hug a friend. Our beloved blues and our baseball cardinals aren't even playing. Some have been laid off. Our others have had their working hours greatly reduced. 
Finances might be getting tight, and they're getting tight quickly. Others are possibly working much longer hours as a result of the pandemic, and they're in a strange, new, and unknown territory. There's virtually no one who hasn't seen their life take a downward plunge into uncertainty. And it's not easy. And I don't like it, and I'm sure you don't like it either. But it's our current reality. And the truth remains that we are still God's children. We still shine God's light to the world. Jesus has never left us. We're not walking through this alone. We don't have to walk in fear. Instead, we walk by faith. And, and I know like a, a good roller coaster, we will climb the mountain again. I can't say when, but life will once again have fantastic mountaintop moments. We will experience amazing joy through Christ, even though we still live in a fallen world. Jesus and his disciples experienced the roller coaster of life during what is called Holy Week. It began with what we celebrate today, Palm Sunday, Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And, and yet, even on that great day, there were signs that life was about to plunge downward. Horrible events were just on the horizon. Denial, betrayal, false accusations, a kangaroo court trial, and ultimately the cross. Jesus would die on the cross. His disciples would scatter in fear for their lives. The world would plunge into the pit. Of course, that wasn't the end. Jesus didn't lose. Jesus actually won, and because he won, we too win. Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, was coming. It is coming. Easter is the greatest peak ever on a roller coaster. It's the top of the mountain. Because of Jesus' resurrection, we will spend eternity on that mountaintop. Life today may be terribly hard. But we have the promise of the resurrection, the promise of eternal life. Still, though, we have to go through Good Friday. We have to go through Good Friday before we can get to Easter. And for today, though, let's take a stop at the, the top of the roller coaster, the top of the roller coaster that is Palm Sunday. It is a day of celebration. It is a day to praise Jesus. Let's turn to Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. We'll be reading the familiar narrative of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Luke writes this, beginning in verse 28. He says, And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethpage in Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples ahead, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it, just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Well, why are you untying this colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. 
And they brought the colt to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And he rode along. As, the, as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Jesus answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. This is the word of God. Our passage describes a, a huge day of, of importance to the Jewish people and, and to Jesus' mission. Like many Jewish pilgrims, Jesus was entering the city of Jerusalem. They were gathering to celebrate the Passover. Remember, the Passover happened when God passed over the Jewish people as he brought death to the firstborn of the Egyptians. The night of death was the last of the plagues before Pharaoh set the Israelites free. The Jewish people were spared the plague of death because they obeyed God's command. And in remembrance, the Jewish people celebrated. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a colt, a young donkey. And this was to fulfill the prophecy concerning the Messiah found in the Old Testament in Zechariah 9.9, which says, Rejoice greatly, O Zion! Shout aloud, O daughter of Israel, of Jerusalem! Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now back in those days, typically a king would enter the city on a stallion to proclaim his power and to show his majesty. Jesus. Jesus rode into town on a donkey. Riding a donkey was a, a sign of peace. It was typically associated with traveling merchants or perhaps a priest. Jesus came to bring peace with God. Jesus was also making it very clear who he was. Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah. As Jesus rode toward Jerusalem, the people spread their cloaks on the road, and this display made a triumphant carpet. And I have to laugh whenever I read those words. It reminds me of what I actually did as a kid. I would leave my clothes strewn all over my bedroom. And it, it actually wasn't an act of laziness. And it wasn't showing disrespect to my mom. No, you know, actually I was spreading my garments around my room as a way to honor my mom. You see, I was declaring her to be the royal master of house cleaning. Laying their garments on Jesus' path demonstrated the people's submission to him. In 2 Kings 9.13, a, a similar carpet was laid for King Jehu. 2 King reads, Then in haste every man of them took his garment and put it under him on the bare steps. And they blew the trumpet and proclaimed, Jehu is king. The other gospel writers 
Speaking of Palm Sunday, add that in addition to their garments, people laid branches on the road before Jesus. In John's gospel, he specifically called them palm branches. The palm branch was a a symbol of Jewish pride. Palm branches were displayed after battle victories and during festivals. They were imprinted on coins and used as decorations in synagogues. Matthew wrote this, he said, The crowds that went before him that day and followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! Luke adds the words, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord! Peace in heaven and glory in the highest! Hosanna is Hebrew for, O save, I pray! They prayed for Jesus to save them. The words, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, actually come from Psalm 118. The proclamation, peace in heaven and glory in the highest, reminds us of the song that the angels sang at Jesus' birth. All of this, the donkey, the garments, the palm branches, the loud hosannas, And the blessings show us that the people saw Jesus as their Messiah. And they longed for a Messiah. They had waited and waited, and now Jesus was proving himself to be the one. It was a time of celebration in Jerusalem. Passover was a celebration, and yet the praise that Jesus received was spontaneous. It just happened. Luke wrote, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. See, the people saw Jesus coming and they couldn't help themselves. They broke into praise. And it reminds us that praising Jesus is often spontaneous. It just happens. When we come together physically or even online for a worship service, moments of spontaneous praise can just happen. The words of a song, a a scripture verse, or something in the message hits us. And praise wells up in us. And we have to let it out. I read a story about a little girl during a a church service. During the, the message, the girl turned around to smile at the people sitting behind her. And the people smiled back, and then she waved, and and they waved back, and she smiled some more, and then she let out a soft little giggle. At that point, her mom noticed what was going on. The mom was embarrassed and sternly whispered to her daughter, Stop that grinning. You're in church. And then she grabbed her daughter and turned her around to make sure she faced forward in the pew. After I read that story, I wondered if this little girl never smiled again in church. Was she taught a lesson that church wasn't a place of joy? Did it affect her as an adult? There are certainly times for reverence in worship. But a child's smile, a child's giggle, and those things are products of our Heavenly Father's love. See, as Christians, we are to be joy-filled people. Paul wrote a letter to the church at Philippi 
while he sat in prison. And his words are a reminder. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. I have to admit during these challenging days of a viral pandemic that joy, laughter, happiness seem to be in short supply. They might even seem inappropriate. But if the Apostle Paul can be joy-filled in prison, we too can have joy in our hearts even during a time of uncertainty and trouble. And we can let that joy erupt in spontaneous praise. And so don't stifle your joy. Praise Jesus. Let your whole life praise Jesus. And our praise for Jesus, it's not empty. Our praise comes from what you and I know. And it was the same for those who put their palm branches on Jesus' path. Luke wrote this, he said, The whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. Did you catch that? They praised Jesus because they had witnessed Jesus' mighty works. Maybe they saw Jesus feed the 5,000 or heal the blind beggar. Maybe they had witnessed the cleansing of the ten lepers or the raising from the dead of Lazarus. It's not likely that they understood fully who Jesus was, but they knew he was doing amazing things. And so they praised him. Our praise is a little different. Our praise comes from knowing the whole story. We know Jesus is God in the flesh. We know that he came to live as one of us. We are familiar with Jesus' miracles, his love, his mercy, his compassion. And we also remember that Jesus went voluntarily to the cross so that our sins, your sins and my sins, might be forgiven. We know Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jesus has reconciled us to the Heavenly Father. We have tasted his goodness. We have witnessed his work in the lives of others and in our own lives. We have experienced Jesus' healing, both physical and spiritual. And we know that Jesus is sitting on the right hand of God the Father right now. We put our lives in Jesus' hands because he loves us. He is with us. And he has saved us. We praise Jesus because of what we know. We know Jesus, but so many people don't know him. They're living in the dark. They, they live in fear. They have no hope. Some are delusional. They make up their own religion because it makes them feel good, but the fact is, is it's totally worthless. And because they don't know Jesus, they don't understand our praise for him. And so sometimes they criticize. Some think we, us Christians, are nut jobs. See, praising Jesus may draw criticism. When you face criticism for trusting in Jesus, know that you're not alone. Jesus himself faced great criticism during his time here on earth. Even in the middle of the praise that was Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, there was criticism. 
Luke tells us this, he says, And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. We can't be 100% sure of the reasoning for demanding that Jesus squelch the praise of those who followed him. It was likely a collection of reasons. The Pharisees thought Jesus was a troublemaker. The Pharisees were jealous of Jesus because he was becoming more and more popular at their expense. The Pharisees didn't like that Jesus challenged their teaching. They may have been worried that the Romans would act with force to stop this spontaneous parade. Whatever their reasons, they wanted the parade of praise to stop. And they wanted Jesus to stop it now. Jesus' response is nothing short of amazing. Jesus replied, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And that's because praising Jesus is unstoppable. Even if you and I never spoke a word of praise, creation screams its praise to the Creator. Last week we had a baby born to Dustin and Jordan. I mean, you can't look at a picture of their little Jonas or any other baby and not praise God. It's not possible. I miss seeing all of you on a, on a typical Sunday morning. When I'm up here, I get to see all your faces, smiling faces. I see people who are facing very tough times, but they still gather as the church to worship God. I see my church family, and you know you're a bunch of good-looking people. Even when I notice someone perhaps nodding off during the, the message, I'm reminded that resting in the Lord is a blessing. When I look at our church family, I see the praise of God's creation, the praise of his children. And that creation is coming back to life. When I wrote this message, the, the sun was shining, the temperature was in the low 70s, the birds were singing, flowers were beginning to erupt and bloom, and joy filled my heart. Everything outside my house that day was shouting praise to God. I want to encourage you to take a moment today or tomorrow to step outside and witness the praise of creation to its creator. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1 verse 20 in the New Living Translation, he said, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. We have no excuse for not knowing God. We have no excuse for not praising Jesus. And here we are today. Our world appears to be a mess. Life seems so uncertain. A virus we can't even see with our eyes is making people very sick and it's killing some. The roller coaster of life is certainly on a downward plunge. And that's all very true. But we still praise Jesus. He is our only 
hope. He holds our life in his hands and there's no better place to be. Jesus has given us the king, the keys to eternal glory. And so we can't help ourselves. We praise him. There's a, a song that came out several years ago by a, a Christian band called Casting Crowns. And this song helped me make it through a very tough time when I tragically lost a friend to death. You might know the song. It's called, I Will Praise You in the Storm. And the chorus of that song declares this. And I'll praise you in the storm. And I will lift my hands. That you are who you are no matter where I am. And every tear I've cried, you hold in your hand. You never left my side. And though my heart is torn, I will praise you in this storm. We praise Jesus today and every day. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we trust in you. We praise you. We praise your Son who came to save us from our sins, who left paradise to come to this place called earth with disease and pain and suffering and heartbreak. And Jesus came because he loves us and because you love us. Father, we're going through a tough time right now. There's uncertainty, there's fear. We don't know when this is going to end or how it's going to end. But Father, we know you. We know your Son. The Holy Spirit lives in us. And we know that you will never leave us and that you care for us and that you love us. You will get us through this storm. And even in the midst of this storm, we will praise you. We will praise you with joy in our hearts. We will sing your praise to all who will listen. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.